is a lack of forgiveness. And I used to think I was the only one that had a lack of forgiveness. But the older I get, the more I realise that I'm not the only one. And that story, we're going to look at two parables today. That's, that's the first one. And what really struck me with that was, how many times should I forgive? Seven times. I used to think that was pretty lenient. Pretty lenient, seven. And then I find out that it's not only seven times, it's 70 times seven. Now I can't even work that out, but I know it's a lot. And am I counting the times? I used to. Used to have a little diary. And we have this gentleman here who owes millions of dollars to someone and he's pardoned. He says, walk away. How good would he have felt? Sensational. And then he sees little Freddie who owes him about $10 in comparison. And what does he do? Grabs him by the throat. Where's my money? I've been there. I've done that. And I still do it. Unless we forgive, we miss out on a lot. What I used to do is I would say, I remember you said something two years ago, four years ago, ten years ago, and I can even remember who was in the room with you. It was a sunny day, 32 degrees, and you were wrong. I'll never forget that because you hurt me. Used to say, I've got a different opinion from you on that. I'm right, you're wrong. Never the twain shall meet. Can't even be in the same room. I was actually engaged when I was younger. And when we split up, it took me three years to overcome it. Every day I had an issue. Every day it got me. Every day it churned me up. And I said to my sister, I've got over this now. She said, well, that's good because your fiancé got over it the next day. <laughs> Teaches you humility as well. Can anyone believe that someone could get over me? No, thank you. That was the correct answer. <laughs> so here I was for three years. I didn't go out. I refused to have a, a life except for work and church. And did someone say the word crazy? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I was. And 
I used to have a good trick. Because if you really upset me, what I would do is I would almost face you, but I would turn to a 45 degree angle. Fold my arms and ignore you. And that used to work a treat until I realised that the person I was doing that to didn't even know that I was upset with them. <laughs> so what a waste of time. Thank you. What a waste of time and energy that was. But that's when, I, that's when I really didn't like you because I didn't speak to you. You can. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, and I'm saying this, talk about embarrassment, thanks for that. Uh, I would have been, uh, tw yes, between, uh, I was 25. Much old enough to know better. And I can tell you this, Helena, even at 32 and a half, I was the same. It was, it, two things changed. I actually listened to what the scripture said. I applied it and I had Nadine in my life. So the Bible tells us that God forgives sin and that's in Luke chapter 1 verses 77 and Romans chapter 2 and that Jesus died on the cross to forgive people's sins. And we're also told, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 2, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same manner you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother... Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So that was 32 years I was like that. And what really amazed me was if God can forgive, why can't I? Jesus hung on a cross for me. And here I am, upset because someone prefers the eagles to the dockers. Or has a difference of opinion scripturally. Or took my seat at church. And they knew that was mine. Deb, you're in it right now. You didn't have the things here, though. Oh, true, right. And then I met Deb as well. So while I was being miserable and missing out on chances to spread God's good news, I was sitting at home. Oh, woe is me. Forgiveness means to cancel a debt. Heard an example. If you hit my car in the car park 
and I come up to you and say, Robin, that's okay. No, no worries. I'll forgive that. Just give me your insurance details and pay the money by Monday. We'll all be fine. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is saying, Robin, I appreciate the fact that you're normally a good driver, but you just totaled the vehicle. Don't worry about it. It was Nadine's car. It's fine. <laughs> That's forgiveness, isn't it? And there is a big difference. And I heard another saying the other day, and it struck me so much because all these years I had been churning up, I'm going to ignore you because you hurt me. And they didn't even know that they'd done anything wrong. Unforgiveness is like me drinking poison, hoping the person that I dislike will die. Unforgiveness. Can I just say something? The, the, the best uh, act of forgiveness I have seen just recently on the tally was the father of the little boy who was killed in um, Queensland, an eight-year-old eight I think he was, and he was a pastor at the church and he went to that person who run his son down and killed him and hugged him and said, I forgive you. And it was... The, to me, it was the biggest um, show of, yeah. Yeah, of forgiveness that I have seen in my life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, very good. Sorry. That's okay, I'll forgive you. Uh, <laughs> I won't do this to you. Unforgiveness is like me drinking poison, hoping the person that I dislike will die. That's how ridiculous it is. I'm the one suffering. And then I realised, how important do I think I am if Jesus died on the cross and he can forgive sins and yet I can't forgive my sins? Am I better than God? And that's how I used to feel. If you hurt me, I'm going to keep a book on it. But what a change and how much easier it is to let things go. Because not only do I forgive sins, I don't get hurt as much. Because it doesn't worry me as much anymore. And I can thank two people down the back there as well. Because Eric and Lynn always talk about forgiveness and letting things go. But do we do it? Not all the time. Uh, the next parable we're going to look at is the prodigal son. And uh, we probably know the, the story. The prodigal son, I've just got some definitions here. Wasteful, extravagant, excessive, irresponsible, self-indulgent, reckless, wanton. A person who leaves home to lead a prodigal life, but later makes a repentant return. And uh, it was interesting after Graham's message last week just to find out a little bit about the background and how people thought uh, at that time uh, because uh, Jesus spoke in parables and it really depends on where you're at at your time in life as to how the parable affects you. Because so many times I've read 
things in the Bible 20 years ago, I go to it again and say, oh, how long has that been there? It just means something different. Uh, so what I didn't realise was that this parable of the Good Samaritan was probably the most difficult parable for the Pharisees to accept and to understand. And the reason why is because the Pharisees followed the letter of the law. Everything had to be according to the way it was. They had punishment and retribution for any mistakes. They upholded established laws and traditions. They were the only ones capable of understanding God's word and they believed they were up there with God. They were proud. They were better than you, better than me, better than Jesus. And they did not understand grace, love or forgiveness. And this was the story to them. They could understand the lost sheep, that the farmer went out to grab the sheep and bring him back because that was money. That affected their wealth. They could understand the lost coin because, again, that was wealth. But they couldn't understand why a son, the youngest son, would go to his dad and say, Dad, I want all my inheritance. That just didn't happen. There was an order, a pecking order. Number one son. Number two son. You didn't get anything until your dad passed away. They couldn't understand the father's response. When the son came to him and said, I want my money, dad says, okay, son, it's yours. They couldn't understand the father's response when the son came back. Because instead of beating him, punishing him, ridiculing him, forgave him. When I see all those different things, it makes me realise how even more amazing this, this story is. So let's have a look at it. Uh, Luke chapter 15. Uh, my version might be slightly different, but it still all works out in the end. Uh, Luke 15, 11 to 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and then squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but not one, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Just have a look at a couple of things there. The, the, the son. What was his intention? Well, we say he's rebellious. Had enough of dad and mum telling him what to do. Yeah, good. <laughs> and stood like this. Yeah. He wanted it. It's mine, I want it now. That's the free will that we have. We all have a free will. We all have a choice. And then he went out and wasted all his money. He had no plan. I would have at least thought he may have had a 10-point business plan. Self-made, even though I might have to borrow money from Dad. Oh, it could be self-made, but no, he didn't even have that. He just wanted out. Had enough. And where did he end up? With the pigs. And what do Jewish people hate more than most things? Pigs. Not only is he feeding the pigs, he's eating some of the food that the pigs didn't want. Reached rock bottom. And how often does that happen in our lives? We have all these dreams, desires, and we want to fight against things. But we reach rock bottom. And then we finally say, I want to go home. When he came to his senses in verse 17, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. He realised even the servants where he came from had a better life than he had. But he was different from me. Because at that time he stopped folding his arms. And he said, I need to do something. I need to repent. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He was prepared to do that. He'd gone from a position of strength in the family and he would accept being a hired servant. So he got up and went to his father. So he turned around. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. What I love is that the father and son relationship was so strong that the son knew he could come back. Because in traditional society back then, that wouldn't have happened. Once the sun left and that door was closed, it wasn't going to open again. That's another thing the Pharisees could not understand. How could this rebellious son come back 
and be welcomed with open arms. Repentance, the realisation that he made a mistake and he knew that his father loved him. So the father continues. He said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. As a father. Can you imagine it? If your son had been going through all of this and he came back. You know, there was a time, and I'm embarrassed about this, there was a time where I would have turned my back. And that's what some people do today. Turn their back. But this father, big hug. I've even heard it said that he kissed him time after time on his head and said, thank you, thank you for coming back. Again, the Pharisees could not get it. How can a father do this? How can a father accept back someone who has sinned against them? You could put my name in verse 25. Meanwhile, Macca, the oldest son, was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants over and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come back, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has come back safe and sound. Good older brother says, You beauty! Good to have little Zachary back. No. I'm hurt. This can't happen. I've been here the whole time looking after this farm. Dad doesn't know what he's doing. It's my farm. I'm running it. That was his response. Not good to have you back, bro. Glad you're back on board. No. Pride was hurt. 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never came and gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your wealth, your property, with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Yoo-hoo! The prodigal son, he decided he'd had enough couldn't take the rules anymore. He wanted his inheritance. And again, apparently, the older son gets two-thirds share, the younger son would get one-third share. But the father 
sold what he had, gave it to the son. So he got a bonus. He wanted his fame and fortune because he was stifled at home. Did he get it? No. He was lost. And when he came back, he was welcomed with open arms. He started with pride. Then he became humble, repented and came back. Then we have the father. As I said, in the culture of the day, if the young son had come up to the father and say, I want my money now, I want to leave this family, he would have got the opportunity to leave with some assistance. But he would not have got any money and he would never have been allowed back. The father represents God. He has compassion and he has love. And when I read this, I say to myself, where do I fit in? Do I have the same love and compassion that God has? And No, that's a given. But do I have more love than I used to have when I was 25? Yes. God allows us free will, but it doesn't mean we're going to make all the right decisions. It doesn't mean they're all going to be good. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't keep trying. Because if every time I stopped after I'd made a mistake, I wouldn't be here today. God is a God of love. And it's something that we really need to know. <coughs> then we have the oldest son. Is he a loving person? Is he kind and generous, forgiving? Would he be a good brother to have? I don't think so. Probably back in the day, that was the way they did things. He was easily offended, easily folded the arms, and easily took it out on people. Pride got the better of the older brother. Now, the story sort of ends there. But I have two possible conclusions. First one, older brother, prodigal son and dad all do a good big hug in, sing kumbaya and forgive, forget and move on. But the actual ending is this one. As the father is explaining to the older son, this is my boy who has come back. He was dead and is now alive. The older boy picked up a piece of wood and beat his father, saying, Remember the old laws.
There is no grace. There is no love. He sinned. He needs to pay. And he beats his dad to death. Because that's what the Pharisees did. They put Jesus, our Jesus, on a cross. Because they were better than Jesus. There was no forgiveness. There was no love. There was no hugging. They killed our Jesus. Now, if we don't understand forgiveness, we don't understand the gospel. So whatever anyone has done to me in the past, I say, it's gone. No longer do I need to be churned up. No longer do I need to worry. I've got Jesus on my side. I've got someone that will embrace me. I don't want to do the wrong thing all the time. I'm not saying that. There are rules and regulations. But he loves me. And when you come from a background of not having that love, it's a big life-changing moment to realise I don't have to hold grudges. I don't have to fight for anything. But I need my relationship with God to be good. I need to forgive Nadine. Not that she ever does anything wrong. I need to forgive my boys. And I need to forgive people in the church. It was Interesting. We haven't had an easy time with, with, with Callum and quite a few of his mates have committed suicide. And uh, came to us a few months ago and he said, Mum and Dad, I'm here because you love me. I know that whatever I do, in brackets, and I know it hurts you, but I know that you love me. And I just praise God. Because we don't know what they're doing. All we can do is pray for our children. And be there when the time comes. And it also applies to our parents as well. So how many times shall I allow people to upset me? Can't Helen tell me. As many as possible. Yeah. And something I've learnt, because I always probably still like to have the upper hand, is that in Proverbs chapter 25... If your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
I like to have a bit of win. And the Lord will reward you. No. <laughs> oh, no. no violence required. Uh, so uh, that, that is my challenge in, or one of the challenges in my life. The prodigal son is us. We've all been there. But God wants us to be in his life. And what a great life it is to be a Christian because not everything's easy. We still have problems, but we have a God and a Jesus that loves us. Uh, grace is a wonderful word. True. God showed grace by sending Jesus to die on the cross. And Jesus suffered and died for each of us. Surely we need to show grace to fellow Christians, family members and people in our lives. That's my message for today. So thank you for allowing me to share it. Um, don't hug me too much. Uh, but I can guarantee I won't do this anymore. Uh, it just hurts. hurts too much. Let's welcome each other with open arms. Forgive, forget, move forward and have a wonderful life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that we can read parables.